Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Not as we ought, but as we are able. Those are powerful words. They are taken from a portion of our Eucharistic liturgy that we frankly rarely say. We say it every Christmas Eve because Christmas is a high and holy enough a day where we bring out the kitchen soup version of our Eucharistic prayers. That is to say, it's one of the longer Eucharistic prayers, or one of the prayers we say before we consecrate, or as we're consecrating, the bread and the wine. Anyway, these are lovely words, comforting words, because in our spiritual life with God, Lutherans honestly assess and acknowledge our broken relationship with our God. And yet we carry on anyway, not as we ought, but as we are able. We pray to God knowing that it is not our best, and we make no pretense about what our worship is, what its limits are, where and how it falls short, and how it certainly falls short of the beatific visions offered in the Bible of true heavenly worship. Think of the worship described in Revelation 5, for example. That is the text of our hymns of praise we will sing in normal times. As things are now, we come before God not as we ought, for the demands of his holiness far exceeds our ability to worship. Rather, we come before God only as we are able. And unlike many other Christian traditions, we don't even presume to believe it's possible that we can come before God perfectly or in perfection. Our lives, our worship, they will never be perfect. And yet, what we believe is that God accepts our worship anyway. That is grace. On the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem, we see worship that in every way looks like worship that is offered not as we ought, but as we are able. In every way, this entrance of a king has all the hallmarks of a makeshift event, because that's what it was. Jesus enters, fulfilling the prophecy as read from Zechariah, Uh, Along the way, he enters not on a a noble horse or steed of high breeding, but on a humble donkey. Jesus enters on a road not paved with stones or strewn with flowers, but with hastily cut down palms. And uh, calling on the presence of another or entrance of another king of Israel, King Yehu, Uh, people uh, put their cloaks on the ground. In 2 Kings, King Yehu entered Jerusalem, and people made a a hasty entrance for him as well as king. They put their cloaks on the ground. That's what's going on here as well. The crowd itself is not an organized, lined-up, saluting array of soldiers all wearing their, their best uniform or outfit, but rather it's a, a kind of a mob scene. Ordinary people who are holding on to the hope that their Messiah has finally arrived. This really is the definition of worship that is offered 
with uh, the limits of what is possible and is not exhaustive of what is proper. Jesus accepts this praise. In fact, as he does throughout the uh, New Testament, whenever anyone worships him, he receives it. He welcomes it. And that is just more grace. For in every case, people are worshiping not as they ought, but as they are able. As he is the living and true God, of course, it is appropriate that he receives worship and welcomes it. It is not always our worship, that is. It's not always, of course, as prepared as it should be. It's not always as reverent as it could be. It's not always as serious as it should be. Sometimes we make light of our time in worship. Sometimes, especially if we're running late, if we're very distracted by other things going on in life, uh, or maybe if we haven't been to worship in a while, our worship is hurried and harried, and we're struggling just to keep up with the action. And we all know that we are no angels. We're not seraphim and cherubim offering praise to God with clean lips. We really are the rabble or the crowd, just worshiping as we're able, not as we ought. And yet Jesus accepts this worship, however imperfect it may be. It isn't just our worship, thank God, that he accepts as we are. Rather, it is us ourselves that he accepts. None of us speak as we ought, or lives as we ought, or care as we ought, or think as we ought. Try as we might and grow in holiness as we might, we still remain this side of perfect. Like Jesus making do with a donkey and the crowd making do with palms, our lives are but hopeful offerings. And like our worship, Jesus accepts them. He knows who we are. He knows what we are. He knows that we will not and cannot live up to our own ideals or to the law of God. This is not a surprise to him. And yet he accepts us anyway. Now that's really not how the rest of our lives work, is it? We have bosses, for example. In our jobs, we have quotas, expectations, standards. And if they're not met, well, we could very well lose our jobs. In our marriages, our spouses have expectations of us. Even our children have expectations of us as parents. As they get older, they realize we're not as perfect as they might have once thought of us. The past few weeks, parents and students have, have had expectations of their teachers all of a sudden becoming dynamic internet uh, teachers, something they've never had to do before. Whether or not they've met that expectation or standard is up to us to judge, I guess. Many times, of course, we, we do meet our expectations in our work, in our marriages, as parents, as community members, etc., but often we do not. 
The question then is, do we accept one another when we fail to live up to expectations, when we let one another down? When in our lives, when others come to us with the equivalents of shouts of praise and hastily gathered palm uh, branches and desperate pleas, do we accept others as Jesus accepts us and our praise? Not as we ought, but as we are able. The grace that God shows us is that He receives us even though we and our praise are far from perfect. The grace, then, that we are called to show one another is to accept each other, though we also are far from perfect. When we are commanded by Jesus to love one another, the mandate given that we remember on Monday, Thursday, that's why it is needed. Because our whole lives, being short of perfection as they are, are not lived as they ought to be lived, but merely as we are able. And yet our inability to be perfect, of course, that does not mean that we do not try. It does not mean that, does not mean that we do not actively seek to grow in holiness. This week in particular, we are called to closely observe our Lord and this last week of his life. And perhaps more than at any other week of the year, we are called to observe our Lord. And perhaps for some, more than at any other point in their life, given the closer proximity of sin and death, we closely observe our Lord and listen to and see what he has done about such things. We observe, for example, his Last Supper with his disciples, how he called them to a life of service. We observe closely his trial and his crucifixion, how he paid the price needed for our forgiveness of sins. And then, of course, this week concludes on the eighth day of the week, the day of new creation, the day that we proclaim the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. In observing those events, then, we're observing the most important events in the history of the entire world, not only the most important events in your life, but cosmic events of ultimate significance. These events are more important to your life than even the birth of your children, the day that you got married even the day that you were born or the day that you'll die. These events of this week are more important than any of those events. And these events are our daily model. For that's how we learn how to love one another. That's where we see our Lord suffering and dying in our place. We see our own fallenness and inability. And we see the Lord conquering all evil so that we can know joy and hope now, and we can know love for all eternity. That is why we carefully observe this week. We try to, as best as we can, as best as we are able, to observe the events of this week. 
So as we begin this week, will you observe these events with me as best as you are able? Let us try to offer God our best, our best thoughts, our best deeds, our best intentions. Let us honor God and honor one another by witnessing the very heartbeat of not only our Christian faith, but rather the will of God himself revealed in the events of this week. Let us struggle together to live in the midst of sorrow as people of hope, as possessors of hope, because of who Jesus was and what he did. Think on Jesus. Pray to God. Pray for the Holy Spirit. Maybe not as we ought, but that's okay. Do so as you are able. Jesus will accept your prayers, just as he will accept our lives, just as he accepted the praise of those who gathered around him as he entered Jerusalem on that fateful day. Amen.